Hello, this is Wayne Highlander. I'm National Sales Manager, Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. And this is another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. So, Rob, where are you at these days? I just got into Manalapan, New Jersey. Got a four-day school coming up this week, starting tomorrow. Didn't you do two day, two schools last week? Yes. Two, two days. One in Jersey, one in Savannah. And that was at the uh, contractor's locations or what? Yes. That's a lot of training. No, the one, the one in Jersey was at the training center, and the one in Savannah was at Old Savannah Floors. We okay. took the training took the training right to them. Nice. That's a lot of traveling in one week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, give me a travel story. You travel a lot, man. You got a, a travel story for me? Well, how about if I tell one of your favorites? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think you know which one it is. I, uh, For the company that Wayne and I used to work uh, with, we used to have to share a room. Now, now at Bona, we don't have to share rooms anymore, but the other company, we had to share rooms. So I went up to the room before the other guy got there. I was checking in. I got there earlier. And um, my key wasn't working. Had no idea why. But anyways, there was a maid going by, or I don't know if we call them maids anymore. What do we call them? Housekeepers. Housekeeping. Yeah. There's somebody from maintenance or housekeeping, whatever. And I said, hey, my key doesn't work. Can you let me in? I really need to go to the bathroom. I've been flying all day and everything. And she goes, yeah, sure. No problem. So she lets me in and I was like, oh my God, the other guy's already here. So I trashed the bathroom pretty good. And then when I got done with that, I looked over and I thought, oh, I think I'll have a little fun with this guy. So I short sheeted his bed and uh, hit a bunch of his clothes and, you know, did a whole bunch of stuff and uh, let it go for the day. Well, come to find out the end of the so day. Wait, hang on a second. So you went through his suitcase and, and messed it all up? Yeah, big time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was throwing stuff in the tub and, you know, I just really trashed the guy. Well, at the end of the day, when me and this guy were going up to our room, you know, I was just so excited to see the look in his face when he saw this place was trashed. And it was the wrong room. I went into the wrong room. His room, our room was perfect. So I did it to a complete stranger. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine what... It really wasn't my fault. I mean, why would that uh, Why would that lady just unlock the door and let anybody in? Yeah, there's a lesson there, right? Well, I think it's my honest face. That's what it is. On the other hand, who would think that some freak would go in there and destroy the bathroom and then go in your suitcase and and just turn it upside down. Well, probably the same kind of freak that would use another guy's toothbrush like you did with mine in Las Vegas. Well, that was a completely an accident. <laughs> you went into my shaving kit, took my toothbrush. I had no idea. And then had the nerve and then had the nerve to keep it in your shaving kit. And keep it open so I could see that my toothbrush was in your shaving kit. God knows I would never have done that on purpose. I mean, I've been hard up before in life, but I don't think I'd ever intentionally use somebody else's toothbrush. You know, they give you free toothbrushes if you just go ask for them downstairs. Yeah, 
I would have walked a long way to buy one before I would have done that intentionally. So I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you a travel story real quick. And um, I'll make this quick as I can. I, you know, I, sometimes, you know, usually when you travel, you're, you're, you leave Tuesday or in your home Friday or what have you. But there are times when the travel goes into the next week. And in this particular travel week, I, uh, I was on the road almost two weeks. So I was in a bad mood. When I landed in North Carolina, I was already in a pretty bad mood. And um, I get off the, and I rent, I got a thrifty rental car. So I go down to the rental cars. I, I pick up my bag. I see the sign for rental cars and uh, I follow the signs. You know, all the rental cars are listed uh, except thrifty. I don't see mine, but I follow the sign. I go there and I'm walking around. I see the shuttle buses to every manuf- every every rental car in the business except for thrifty. So I go back inside. I said, hey, I don't see thrifty where the rental car is. They said, well, you have to go wait over there. I said, yeah, I understand that. I was there, but there's no thrifty. So um, I go back over there again. I'm waiting. I can't see it. I go back into place. And finally, I asked somebody, I said, where in, where in the name of God does thrifty pick up their, you know, where's the shuttle bus? She goes, oh, there's, there's no sign, but you have to wait next to that pole right over there. I said, fine. So when the bus comes around, the dude opens the door and I fire my bag in there from about 15 feet out. And I'm the only guy getting on the bus. The bus is empty. It's Sunday. The guy looks at me and he goes, you okay? I said, no, I'm not okay. I said, what kind of outfit doesn't put their name with the rest of the, the rental car place where you can see them? I said, I've been walking around looking for you place for 20 minutes. And then um, equally disturbed, he shouts back at me, hey, you think I like driving around this bus all day on a Sunday like this? So he closes the door and we, we proceed on our way. And about halfway there, he starts to say, hey, man, you know, um, we should have a sign. We used to have a sign. But I stopped him. I said, you know what, man, we don't really even have to talk about it. So that was it. it was signless. We never spoke again. I go to the class. Uh, we had a four-day school. On Thursday, I'm coming home, Rob. And the only thing I have to do is fill up the gas tank and I'm home. You know, I got the plane schedule. I'm on schedule to catch my flight. I just got to fill it up with gas. And everything is good. I get out of the car. I fill up the gas. I close the door in my car. I go to get back in. The, 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 the car is locked. I'm locked out of the car and the car is running. And I'm in a pretty rough neighborhood. So I got Thrifty's number. Now I'm getting, now, you know, I got to catch my flight. So I'm getting a little concerned. So I, uh, I get a hold of Thrifty and I said, hey, I'm right down the road. I'm literally two minutes away from you guys. Can you bring me a key? I'm locked out of the car. They said, um, well, we don't keep the keys here. I said, I mean, I, I don't understand what kind of outfit wouldn't I, I mean, this is your mothership. You're right here. How would you not have keys? They said, well, sorry, we don't have the keys here. Do you want us to send a tow truck or something? I said, yeah, I don't care if you send a helicopter. I got to get my fat butt on that plane tonight. So fine. So I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. It's not showing up. So I, I decided I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I go down to the creek and I pick up a big rock and I'm going to take out a window. I figured, you know what? I'm going to have to pay for it, but you know, I've been on the road a long time. I just want to get home. So I throw the rock at the window. I pick, I pick the back passenger side window. I figured it might be less expensive. I throw the rock at the window. The window comes back and almost takes my head off. It's like a plexiglass window of some sort. Now, everybody in the, in the place is looking at me like I'm a madman. A lady came up to me. And she goes, you know, what's the matter, baby? It's okay. I mean, you know, what's, you know, what's, what's happening? So I had to explain my situation to him. But long story short, I finally get, get the key. I go back to the, the bus. Now I'm going to miss my flight. So 
I walk up to the bus, the bus door opens, I fire my bag in from about 15 feet away, and it's the same dude. He says, <laughs> uh, airport? I scream at him, where the hell else would I be going? And again, in silence, the two of us ride back to the airport. <laughs> it's a long, long, long two weeks. So, okay, today we're going to talk about money savers. We talked about uh, on another pad co- uh, podcast, job site killers, things that slow the production job uh, on a job down and uh, really kind of uh, send the profit south. And today we're going to talk about some of the things that, uh, you know, they help you make money on jobs and can make the, uh, the jobs go a little bit smoother and more profitable at the end of the year. So, uh, and I say it before, but I have to keep saying it. To me, it, com- it starts with the estimate. I mean, um, you can't outwork a bad bid, and if you did, it wouldn't be any fun anyhow. So, and th- there's a reason that, um, you know, when you go to restaurants, they, they ask if you want to buy dessert. And, uh, you know, I think anytime you get a chance to upsell the job, I, th- I think, uh, you know, and there's no industry that doesn't do that. You know, there's, not, there's no negative connotation about upselling the job. If you're adding value to the job and not necessarily have to, having to do more square footage, um, I, I think it would be behooves all of us, right? Um, so, and, and, you know, sometimes contractors feel guilty for, you know, for charging a certain amount of money on, on floors and what have you. But um, I would not feel one, one bit of guilt in upselling a job if you're adding value to the job, right? There's some things you can do like the R540, for instance, for, for moisture protection. That's an upsell to the job, but you're protecting their investment. You know, uh, floor care kits, you know, putting in vents. Uh, those vents, don't, they take time. I had somebody tell me, you can just throw those in, can't you? No, I can't just throw them in. How would that look if I just threw yeah. them in? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I just, we just open up the package and throw them in. Yeah, all that takes money, but it also adds value. But the, the way that you sell it, too, if you show pictures of what that looks like when the job is done. I always tell people, picture yourself as an old man and on your shoulder. That's you 30 years from now. You got to protect that old guy. And, and, you know, this, you know, you need to make as you know, profit on these jobs. There's no, there's no, uh, I mean, gosh, it's a, you're running a business. So, uh, it starts with the estimate. You know, that I can't agree more. You, and when you're doing that estimate, you need to read the room. This is when you have to be sales guy one-on-one type thing. If you're an A personality and the person that you're dealing with is not an A personality, then you have to change the way. You have to change. You can't expect your customer to change. So I think reading the room is one of the most important parts of this because, you know, I've said this before, um, people don't remember what you said or what you did, but they do remember the way you feel. And if you're not an A personality type guy and you have somebody coming in and he's just rolling all over you, it doesn't matter what the price is. You're you're not going to get that job. So you have to kind of uh, temper up or temper down, I think, with some people. Yeah, I agree. And English is not the first language from a lot, for a lot of contractors. So, um, you know, I think sometimes it helps for, to have uh, pictures in your iPad of jobs that you've done before, you know, a f- feature strip or some areas like an accent room that you've done herringbone in the front entry or something like that, or, you know, and while you're doing the estimate and, and taking your measurements, you give them something to look at. And, um, 
you know, so tell, tell, tell everybody about your big book, the big book. Oh, my stand book. The big book, the one you showed Enos at one time. Oh yeah. Well, I used to take, well, this is before, you know, this is back in the days before, you know, uh, all the cameras and Facebook and all that social media and stuff. And so we took pictures of all of our jobs. Well, we were actually not great at, it. I, you know, sometimes we get busy and not get back to them, take pictures, but but all the the uh, ones I was proud of that you know we did something unique on whatever I would take pictures of and uh, and certainly as I'm bidding jobs let the clients look at it. Also, what I would let them do is let them look at uh, as testimonials from clients that have written as testimonials. You know all that. Um, you know you got that little window of time when you're bidding that job that you're in front of that customer that gives you that. And I man, I just. The difference between the end of the year, you did okay, we got by, whatever, or we we just killed it this year. We got faster, better, smarter, learned better techniques, or we learned to sell better. And uh, you need to be able to separate yourself from the pack, and that's one way to do it. I remember one of the best testimonials we ever got. I hated it. And it was huge for us. Everybody, everybody loved it when they read it. And what the guy wrote about us was um, Robin Pete treated my house like it was theirs. And when they left, my house was cleaner than it was before they got there. He never once mentioned how we knocked the job out of the park, how beautiful the floors were. All he was talking about was how clean we were. But people ate that one up. But you know something, Rob? So you touched on something. So, you know, what somebody's pain point is different than another person's pain point. You know that may be more, much more important to that person than, than you know, we, than a, than a flawless floor. You know what I mean? I mean, their expectations, their, their, what was important to them is completely not important, or, or you know, that a different set of uh, um, challenges for another customer. Maybe for another customer, it was something else. You know what I mean? So you never know what what you're going to hit on. So yeah. And I did mention my partner and my kids have been driving me crazy. You always mention your old partner, but you never say. My old partner was a guy I grew up with, played hockey with, went to high school with. He worked with my dad and I. And then him and I left my dad's company and uh, started our own thing. Uh, His name was Pete Sherman. Great guy. Still doing floors. Still a floor man. Still playing hockey. Pretty good golfer. Likes a little too much Grateful Dead, but. You know, we all have our issues. He's not from Colorado. So I, is he? I, I, I had to give him a shout out. He's not from Colorado, no. is he? Oh, no, 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 no. We still live in the same town. What's up with guys from Colorado on those jam bands that never end? <laughs> I mean, Grateful Dead and Fish and... Um... I was told, I was told one day that it's not music, it's a way of life. Well, it must be. I'm a big music I, fan, I, but uh, I, I didn't I didn't get it. But I mean, uh, what what's the uh, widespread panic? I mean, I love them, man, but sometime that song's got to end. <laughs> Did I tell you I brought Pauline to John Mayer? Talk about songs that never end. Oh, I know she she told me about that. Uh, <laughs> Did she really? She she really really didn't enjoy herself, but oh my, she appreciated God. the effort. I uh, I. I almost felt like throwing myself down the stairs after like an hour and a half of the same song. No kidding. Oh, just, just brutal. Absolutely brutal. And then a week later, a week later, we went to see Blake Shelton. No kidding. 
and Cody Johnson. Now that was a great show. Pouring rain, we were at Gillette Stadium, and uh, it was Blake Shelton, Cody Johnson, and uh, George Strait. Pretty big lineup. Pouring rain, pouring rain, and I have never seen Pauline act like this. I thought as soon as that first drop of rain hit, we were out of there. Okay. And yeah, it is pouring like you've never seen it rain. She is screaming and dancing and singing to every... I'll tell you, I know she's crazy about you, but I, I think Blake Shelton's got us both beat. Well, you know, I took my wife to a concert one time. To, you know, Elvin Bishop fooled around and fell in love? Yes. We were up front, and we were 23 at the time or whatever, and the guy's playing guitar, he's pretty close to it, and, and he's twice he winked at my wife. <laughs> I paid good money to get that close to see this clown for him to wink at my wife twice. She goes, you know, did you see he winked at me? I go, yeah, isn't that nice? So, uh, okay. So Rob money savers, or uh, you said, wait, 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 I, I got, I got to tell a story. So Pauline and I, we went to a concert a long time ago. You know, he's talking about the, the winking thing, right? Well, we had terrible seats. So I'm walking around. I go, Hey, why don't we just sit right here? It's kind of, to the very right of the stage, but there's really nobody here, you know? And it was like folding chairs. So I said, well, let's sit here. This is pretty good. And, you know, so we sit there and all of a sudden Faith Hill is singing and singing and she kind of walks over to that side of the stage and looks up and kind of waves at me. And Pauline's like, what the, what the hell is that? You know? And then McGraw, he's singing that. And I swear to you, they kept walking over and waving to us, you know, looking at us, pointing to us. And Pauline and I, she is just like, what is going on? We were sitting in the handicap section. Oh, we didn't know. Oh, yeah. I'll be darned. Well, <laughs> that was very nice of them, though. A nice gesture. It sure was. It was a great show. There's a guy... I think he's a fantastic musician and he's getting ready to blow up and he's already got a good name for himself. And despite uh, the guy's name is rain wolf. Okay. You probably never heard of him because you really don't have a whole lot of musical taste outside of, you know, country music or whatever. ACDC. Okay. So the guy's name is rain wolf. And despite never having put out an album until last year, he toured, he opened for black Sabbath on their last tour. And this year he opened for the who. Okay. Is a one the guys. Well, he was a one man band for a while. Now he's got a drummer and another guitar player, but he plays the, the guitar and the um, in the um, and the and the bass drum, the beat bass drum. So think of uh, in the style of like Jimi Hendrix type of okay. So you know, um, my brothers are big fans of his, and and we got to see him live a couple times, and and the guy's really good. So I I noticed he was playing in a small venue in Tennessee, nowhere near Nashville. Real small venue. But I thought, man, this is fantastic. You know, he's going to open for The Who. It'd be a great show to go to see. Now, I'm getting too old for this. Not that I'm getting too old for this, but, like, I, I would love to go there and be invisible or be like a fly on the wall or pay more money and just have my own seat where, you know, because I'm, 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 I'm twice the age of these kids now, man. And, you know, it's, uh, you, you never realize it as much as when you go to a concert like this. But anyhow, I was going to go. I asked my wife. She goes, uh, I don't think so. So I go by myself, I'm there, and, and the last band got done, and before he comes out, I notice at the front rail, you know, where you stand there at the front, um, 
it was empty. And I thought, well, this doesn't, you know, this is not my game plan. It's not my, that's what I normally do. I just want to be in a bag somewhere, but it's Rain Wolf and it's right in front and it's open. How do I not do that? So I kicked it around for a minute, you know, whatever. So I, anyhow, I go up, I stand right up front. Okay. Now I'm feeling a little self-conscious already. Cause as I said, when I look around, I look like I'm somebody's dad looking for their kid, but you know, it's going to get dark pretty soon, whatever. So it does. Rain Wolf comes out. It stage is pitch black. There's smoke behind him. He's walking up to the stage and, and, and from the rail to the stage is like three feet, foot, three feet. Right. But he steps over that and comes right up to me. His, I could play the guitar with him. He's I can smell his deodorant. I mean, he is, the guitar is six inches from my face. Now, the lights haven't come on yet. He doesn't, he doesn't know who he's standing in front of. So when the, finally the lights come on he, and he looks down, I'm sure he thinks to himself, what the hell? This guy's like 60 years old. So um, anyhow, <laughs> and, he, and he played the, I mean, he was like, I mean literally, he was, the guitar was bumping me in the head once in a while when he was playing. So uh, while it was a great experience on one hand, on the other hand, and I don't, I don't have a thing about my age. I don't care. I mean, I've got no hang up. I, I, I wouldn't want to turn a clock back one day. But um, listen, for a guy who's seventy two years old, you look good. Okay, you shouldn't worry about your age. Yeah, you look fantastic. Thank you. You're so anyhow, that's my, that's my uh, last of my, uh, my uh, music stories. All right, Rob, what's a way to make more money then? Well, I think one of the things that we really preach at the school too is you've got to treat this as a craft and we have to charge like a craft and not a service. I mean, all work is honorable, but you know, it's different than shampoo and carpets and things like that. I, I, what we have, what we do as a craft, any floor guy, and I love saying this at the school because everybody starts cracking up and telling their stories, but we get the floor man eye, the craftsman eye. And everywhere we go, what are you looking at? Everywhere you go, what are you looking at? Restaurants, stores, friends' houses. Movies. <laughs> You're looking at the floor. Everywhere. Stores. It never it never ends for a floor guy. Any floor guy that has, has a girlfriend or a wife more than six months knows what an H joint is. Is that where they go in the mall, whatever? They, their wife's looking at clothes. Look at that. Look at this clown. Look at this guy, this loser laid this floor. Look at the H joints. Look at this. <laughs> or how about when they say, oh my God, this floor is beautiful. And you're like, what? Are you, are you serious? Do you see this over? What, look at those edge marks over there. Yeah. Can I get away with this in our house? No. Absolutely not. We've got a, a mutual friend, uh, you know, a floor guy that uh, we become friends with. And uh, my wife, you know, met his wife and they like each other and stuff. And my wife says, uh, you know, that's a really nice couple. I, maybe we should invite him over to the house for dinner. I say, you crazy? <laughs> not till September. I've got some hairline cracks in, my, in, in the room there, man. I'm not going to, I can't bring him over now. Wait till September. Then we can ask him. Then they'll close back up a little bit. Hey, another way. I'm on pins and needles. Go ahead. Green guard. You got to sell the green guard. People are loving this. I probably have told this story before, but um, none of this green really hit me until it really hit home. And I did my daughter's floors when she moved into a new house. And she asked me for the MSDS sheets. Your daughter said, did. You, my daughter did. She That's asked. She's seen all those lacquered five-gallon pills in the back of your van years ago. So 
So I said, what the hell do you want to, she goes, well, you know, I want to make sure that it's green and safe for the boys to crawl around on and everything. And I said, how could it not be? I'm their grandfather. What, what, didn't matter. She wanted to see the specs. She wanted to see the sheets. And I'll tell you, this is just another way to make extra money without doing extra square footage is really push that Green Guard certification. The Green Guard, um, you know, the special Green Guard gold certified safe for children in schools, all that stuff. That is just, it's, it's free money. It's free money. You know, and if you don't talk about these things, you know, in the estimate, these are things that can separate yourself from everybody else. If you don't talk about these things, you know, I mean, um, you, you don't have a way to upsell the jobs or show why you're different than the next guy that's using lacquer, for instance, or, you know, God forbid, or some of these other products. So um, I'll tell you another thing is is uh, labor steps. You know, sometimes you probably see it at the school, Rob. I, we hired a guy that was a journeyman and uh, went out to a job. And the guy was a good floor man. At the end, he will give you a good project, product. No question about it. At the end of the job, his job is going to look fantastic. But it was 56 different steps to get there. I mean, i never seen a, a guy. It was like he was eating the edge of paper or something. You know, he'd rough off with 40, so he would edge with 40. He'd go to 60, so he would edge with 60. And every time he took two steps forward, he took one step back. And he couldn't understand my frustration with him because, you know, he, he said, you know, I, when I'm done, it's a great product. I said, yes, you are. And there's a lot of people that went bankrupt that, you know, got the job, the job done right. I mean, but there are other parameters here. And, um, you know, for instance, on, on bigger jobs, uh, excuse me, not bigger jobs, but on uh, new installs, we would edge one time. If you clock the edger right, manip- manipulate the uh, edger marks that they're going in the direction of the grain, you don't need to edge three times. Uh, so just getting your steps and, and, you know, if you've got many multiple crews out there, you know, the way that we looked at it on our jobs, if, if I took one of my brothers and sent, sent him to another job and he would know exactly where, what, what the process was and where the steps were and where he needed to, to fit in. Now, does it, is it the same on every job? No, it's not the same on every job because there are, there are, you know, that's the thing about our trade. I mean, there are floors that are unique and situations that are unique, but, for instance, we would always run the big machine last. If I did that, I knew that all the scratches, if there are any scratches from the edger, are going to be within six inches of the wall. Now, I talked to other guys that won't do that, uh, that they they, um, they do their edging last. I mean, it's personal preference. But the exception to me was I would, I would edge last if I was on a herringbone floor or a pattern floor or a parquet floor. Uh, to, then, to me, it made more sense to edge last. But fine-tuning your steps where you're not – taking two step forwards and one step back and what have you. Like even the, even the, uh, when you're running the big machine, if I'm using, uh, say the green bone of green sandpaper to rough off and it's 40 grit and I've, I've roughed off 400 square feet. I'll, I'll take a Sharpie, a red Sharpie and on the inside of that belt, I'll, I'll write down 400. So when I put it back in the box, I know what's left on that belt. We're not throwing it away. And that's another money saver. Knowing your, your grits or your sandpaper, the green sandpaper at the counter might be a little more expensive than the next one. But then if you look at the square feet that you're getting out of that one piece of paper, holy smokes. And then you extract. Yeah, never look at never look at price per belt. You have to look at how much square feet you're you gotta get. see what you can get out of it, correct. And 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 then if you extrapolate that out over twelve months time, it's a lot of money savings. Well, let me run one down for you. I think you're going to like this one. 
Um, one of the things we teach in the schools, you know, of course, is how to operate the big machine. And there's a lot of guys who have been operating a big machine for a long time. So stay with me on this one. All right. You drop the handle, you drop the clutch and you go down. Correct. You get to the end and then you start to go back. And then when you get to the end of that back pass, you immediately angle the machine, drop it and go forward again. Correct. Yep. Okay. Now, how many times have you seen that guy who adjusts the machine? Handle up, he moves the machine around, gets it in place, and then drops the handle and goes. It's not a continuous flow. You know what I mean? He stops, adjusts the machine. How many times? You know, you're right about that. Well, wait a minute. Wait, I I got some crazy numbers about that. Okay. All right. So you see it all the time, correct? Okay. In a 12 by 12 room, you're going to make 72 passes per cut. 12 by 12 room, 72 passes. That's 216 passes for three cuts in a room. All right. It takes four seconds. I've counted it out a thousand times when guys are doing it and I show the class. It takes four seconds for that guy to adjust the machine drop the handle and go. That four seconds times 216 passes is 864 seconds. That is 15 minutes per room. If you do four rooms in a day, that's one hour of just adjusting the machine to get it right. Now, do what you do. What do you call it? Extrapolate it. Yeah. Extrapolate? Yeah. Extrapolate. Yeah. Okay. If you're doing three jobs a week, that's three hours a week, 12 hours a month, 150 hours per year. You're like the rain Adjust, man of the industry. <laughs> I know. It adds I up. a lot of time. It adds up. I get, it, it, it's crazy. All right. It's absolutely crazy. And then I look at everybody because people are looking at me just like you said, where did you come up with this? Well, I spend a lot of time in airports with nothing to do except eavesdrop on people's conversations. So I did it all. I did all the math one day. Now let's just say I'm half right. It's not 150. Let's just say I'm half right on that. It's not 150 hours. It's 75 hours. It's a lot. It's crazy. And that's for one man on one one man's time? One guy... And that's at three hours a week, just adjusting that machine. So one of the big things is when we're teaching people at the school is, hey, man, I'm going to save you some time and money. We're going to get you home quicker, save you some time, save your money. You're going to teach your guys. You're going to save money across the board on that. Yeah. You know, if you think back to when you were an apprentice, Rob, I remember when I was first started out with my uncle. I was in his way all day long. No matter where he went, I was in his way because every time I would take like 12 steps to his two. I mean, I was like a chicken with my head cut off. And then I, I, you start realizing you can trim down these steps that you're doing, uh, how much more time it, it, it saves you. In fact, what you're talking about with the big machine, backing up with the big machine, on the way back, yeah. we realized that if we plant our foot, our heel, plant your heel, and then use that as to stop the machine coming backwards and your fulcrum for the machine to go forwards. That's a, that saves you a lot of time. 
And oh, you can, you're bouncing it off your toe. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I yep. plant I plant the heel, and the foot is almost upright. It's almost you know it's almost ninety degrees to the floor, at least seventy degrees to the floor. Plant the heel, mm-hmm. let the machine run into the back of that foot. It stops the fulcrum, the the force coming back, and pushes it going forward. And that step alone, because we're we're damn near running on our last pass. If our last pass is with hundred grit, we're moving pretty damn quick. And I and actually by the way, I don't like the light setting on any machines for that reason. I want more head pressure on the floor because um, if you're moving pretty fast in the last pass, if that head pressure is too light. I think you can get a little bit of chatter, a little bit of a, a wave, a little bit. So I want more head pressure on the floor. My That's my opinion. Uh, but yeah, little steps like that, man, are huge. Because it's not just you. Oh, it's not just one guy. It's And maybe it is one guy. And it's not just one job. It is, you know, like you said, it's over many many jobs and sometimes it's over a career so little little techniques man little little ways you can save time and money it's like water popping do i water pop yes i have 100 water pop i'm a big believer in water popping but do i water pop every job absolutely not i don't need to water pop because of my staining techniques excuse me my sanding techniques some guys water pop because it it, it forgives a lot of sins right but to mm-hmm. me to me, there shouldn't be any sins. I mean, you figure out a, figure out your system and just keep improving and improving and honing your skills on that system, then there's no need to water pop for that. Now, yes, for color, intensity of color, 100%. But even then, if I'm going, you know, anywhere from from a neutral color down to, you know, like a, a, a mid-color, golden color, maybe I don't need a water pop. And that alone time saver. can be a time saver. Sure. And then I got a pet sure. peeve. And I feel sorry for some of the guys oh, I, today. I know you did. <laughs> I feel sorry for some of the guys today because the work, man, I mean, there's some great young kids out there, man. There's some phenomenal young kids that, that get me excited and they're, they're super good guys. But there's a mentality that seems to creep into this trade that four o'clock is the end of the day. And if you're getting to that point in the floor where it's, it's, it's ready to be stained or you're a couple hours away from being stained, you got to stay and get that floor stained. I mean, that floor is never more vulnerable right before you get it stained, right? I mean, right. that's the that's that's the time, man. That's when anybody walks on the floor or whatever, you got a problem. But but if you're getting that close to the end of the day, you got to get that floor stained. That also might be the difference between getting the job completed at the end of the week or not. So I'd love for this job to be a nine-to-five job, but it's flat out it's not the case. At least in my experience, if somebody's – you know, if you work by yourself or what have you, maybe you're, you're you're different than me, and I respect that. But for guys running crews, man, uh, to me, and I think most people recognize this. I'm not preaching to the choir. You got to get that job stained. I heard my wife telling my daughter-in-law one time, um, "Oh, don't ask when they're going to come home. If they're and this was my wife talking. She said, if they're the if the boys are close to getting a coat on, they're going to get a coat on." So they can be home anywhere from three o'clock to two o'clock in the morning. Because if they can get a coat on or save, some, it, because you know the deal. If you stay late and get a coat on, you, you know you might get a Saturday off. You might get a Sunday off. Another one. This is big too. I mean, we had already touched on this: the testimonials and referrals. You have got to get that in your crew's mindset and your mindset. That is everything. You have got to chase that down. Everything that you do in that homeowner's house, you have to have that in the back of your head. I'm looking for a referral or a testimonial for this person. 
because there's a huge difference in referral money. Referral money isn't how much. Referral money is when can you get in here and do it. I think the whole thing that we're looking for here is you want to become the guy. When people are out at a party or at work and they hear somebody, geez, I'm thinking of having my floors done, you want your customer to perk right up and say, hey, I, I got a guy. That's what we're striving for. You want to be the guy. I always say, Rob, if I if I get the job done and they pay me right away and they pay me on, uh, you know, what I'm asking, what have you, and, and and I don't get a referral, I wish I was never on the job. To me, I you live and die with your referrals, and uh, a job without a referral to me is to me was a waste of time. Yeah, so I couldn't agree more. No, I more. agree. How about this? Uh, and you know, I'm going to go back to millennials, and I swear I'm not picking on them because there's some fantastic guys, and there's a you know, whatever. Uh, but, and you know what, part of this is not their fault. I don't, I don't blame them for this. When we were growing up, Rob, we had Wonder Bread and bologna. We didn't have the food options that these kids have today. I mean, the restaurants today, there wasn't only gourmet restaurants and fantastic. It was, you know, you went to Sizzler, you know what I mean? Now the lunches and the coffees, I mean, you can't blame these poor kids, but damn, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, a kid making, you know, 16 bucks an hour uh, doing floors and he, he goes to Starbucks and he buys a coffee at Starbucks and he goes to lunch and you know, these fabulous lunches. And I mean, you're working to eat and nobody likes to eat better than me and you, Rob. Let's face it. But man, making your own lunch <laughs> versus buying Where, it. Is, is this a pet peeve or is this how oh, to make more money? Peeve, just telling, you, you're just telling these kids to. Stop going to Starbucks and start getting a pack of bologna and, and the Wonder Bread. Hey, the bologna and Wonder Bread That's was good. That's somebody. That was good enough for me and you, wasn't it? <laughs> I just officially got old, man. It just, what time is it? What day is this? Yeah, I'm there. I don't blame him. Look at these fantastic choices. That, we never had choices like this. What mom packing the lunch? You got bologna and Wonder Bread and, oh, there's cheese. Oh, Kraft cheese. Nice. Peanut butter and jelly. Oh, good switch up, mom. But these kids are eating oh. fabulous food and they're so expensive. You and you talk about you go a month and look what it costs you. And look, like I said, nobody likes Re- to eat more. Remember than you, me. hey, you millennials who are listening to this, that's all Wayne Highlander. I'd love you guys. I I think you got a great I future ahead of you. I don't mean to pick on the millennials. I don't, but I'm just saying it. Just, just think about how much money that costs for all that food. You know, I, I do know a contractor, and this is a this is the truth. There's a contractor I know that recognizes that when his guys go buy their lunches, and you know, especially in a busy this is a busy city, he's losing his guys for an hour because by the time you go out to lunch, find parking, go out there, come back, get the machines back on again. He's lost. Uh, he's lost that much time. So he, in the morning, in, in the in the work area, when they get started in the morning, uh, he has now, you know, all bread, sandwich meats, drinks, and a snack that the guys can can take. I think that's smart. That's a good move. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, oh, organizing your vans. Uh, you know. I remember on a Monday or a Sunday, I'd be cleaning out and organize a van. The van was beautiful. And by by Thursday, it looks like it was in a tornado. But it sure is nice. I remember my brother, uh, you know, he was supposed to be on a certain job. And I'm driving, doing an estimate at 11 o'clock in the day. And I see my brother heading the other direction. 
There's nothing good that can come out of him going that direction. I mean, there's whatever reason is compelling him to go that direction is no part of my plan that day. And, you know, you didn't have it in the van. Thought, thought you had a certain tool in the van and what have you. I think a check checklist in the morning, uh, keep it in the van of on a, for installation in sand and finish of all the possible things you could use. And then at the end of the day, you know, the older I got in the trade, is, and we've just established how old I am, um, towards the, the end of the day, I would write down, I'd walk the job. And if you're the lead guy on the job, walk the job and go through and see if there's anything you need for the, for the next day that you don't have. And then I would write it on a board or something and I put it in my driver's seat so I couldn't forget it. And um, so the next day we're organized and ready to go. I mean, and I, the amount of trips to a distributor for stuff that may have forgotten or what have you, man, really start to add up as well. Which brings me to my next point, you know, buying in bulk. You know, rather than, you know, going down to the distributor as often as, as we do sometimes to buy in bulk when maybe the distributor has a sale or something so we don't have to, you know, spend all that travel time. Absolutely. You know, another thing too, getting more money on that estimate is helping that homeowner create her own color, her own floor. I know, and some guys will look at that and go, oh my God, this, you know, she was a nightmare and picking cuff. You want that lady. You want that pain in the neck because when you make her happy, she is going to tell everybody. She's going to be bragging about her floor. There's no other color out there like that. She's got the unique, she put her signature on that floor and she is going to sell for you like there's no tomorrow. So embrace that customer who's a real pain in the neck. I know it's tough. I've been there. I know it's tough. But when you win those people over, those are the good ones. Well, and I'll, I'll end it on this too. And I, I agree with you on that, Rob. And the other thing too is, you know, we always, you always want to train your employees to say, to arm them to say what you want them to say on the jobs. And if we're on Mrs. Robinson's job, we are going to talk about her job and her job only. Uh, we don't talk about the job we got going on across the street or the one that's starting, you know, next week or the other other one. This is her money that she's spending on this floor or he's spending on this floor. They've invested a lot of money. They've, they've got us on this job. It's an honor to be there. And so we will give them everything we got. And then also, see, she picks out a color. Once she's made up her mind, that's the color. It's the best color I've ever seen. I can't believe, even as I'm, I'm putting it down, I can't believe how beautiful it looks. I, I didn't I didn't see it at first, but once you picked it out, we started putting it down. Oh my God, it's gorgeous. I mean, you I, I just want to you know keep letting them know that great decision, great decision, and uh, you know make it make it an experience for them, make them enjoy. You know, it's, it's it's hard having other people in your home, no matter what the situation is, uh, but um, you know make it make it as enjoyable as you can. And like you said at the beginning, it's it's not what you tell them or whatever; it's how they how you make them feel. And make them want to recommend you for the next job and for their friends and get that referral. Hey, I got another one. I got a big one. And everybody thinks that it's crazy, but you remember the thing that I put together for you about using water base over oil base and how when you, right? Yes. Yes. Good call. Huge. Two coats in a day, water base. Two sealers in a day. Doesn't matter the heat, the humidity that you're going to deal with with polyurethane that polyurethane sometimes going to throw you out for a couple of days i've seen it go so another huge one 
Because I think the other thing people need to realize too is labor costs a lot more than material. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, there's no debt, no doubt. I mean, it did for most people. I know you didn't pay Bum anything. I I paid him, but I, I held the money for him. <laughs> okay. I swear, I did. And then one day he goes, uh, uh, you know, I think you owe me like $2,000. I was like, oh, oh my God. Uh, okay. All right. Well, wow. He, he, <laughs> cut on, he, he cut on to you, I huh? think he wanted to buy a, a motorcycle or something. I was like, oh, jeez. Well, you know, that's a tradition, you know. We get, we're second generation and third generation and fourth generation guys get in it because, you know, we think that our, everybody's teaching us a trade. It was not till five years in do we realize we were just cheap labor at the time. <laughs> I asked my uncle, I said, hey, is, is your son going to start doing this too when he gets out of high school? He goes, oh, God, no. No, he's going to do something else. <laughs> So, you know what? And also a braiding between coach, Rob. Um, with oil bases, with uh, our product, excuse me, with water base, with our products, as long as you're within 48 hours, you do not need to abrade for adhesion. And I don't take shortcuts. I mean, I, I really want, you know, want to do my due diligence and I'm, I want my floors to be as perfect as I can. And that was a tough one for me at first. That I don't know. It seems like I should, you know, abrade between coats. But man, I'm telling you that you know, two thousand square feet, not having to abrade. Which what is that? What else does that mean? You're not backing. You're not tacking. You're not traveling back and forth to the job. It's amazing. That's it. I mean, um, and it's not just vacuuming once. How many times did you vacuum? High end job, a lot on the line. How many Uh, times did you vacuuming? I didn't vacuum. Pete did all the vacuuming. I was the setup guy. I was (laughs) the setup guy. I would set up for the code, yeah, take nice. a nap in the truck, uh, you know, pretend to do we, some paperwork or something. Pete called it super clean back day, okay? He didn't even want yeah. me there. Uh, I, would, I would dust everything, okay? But Pete was a guy, he just had a way that he wanted the floors cleaned, and it, it, my way wasn't good enough for him, so... Everybody, every everybody needs a Pete on the job. <laughs> I like that guy already. My brother Doug was that way too. I got this. I got this. Yeah. Just go away. And um, you know, but you know, sometimes you vacuum it. You're changing the filter first. You know, vacuum it, vacuum it, and also getting out the microfiber mops. And uh, we we usually have about ten of them on the job, so I could just change them out. And. Um, I mean, so not having to abrade between coats, it's huge. Big deal. Folks, this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne Highlander and Rob Johnson. Please stay tuned for another episode.